This is Nate Johnstone with Paul Anderson, and tonight we are going to be talking about discouragement, the plague of discouragement. I think every single person listening can relate to this. We've all experienced discouragement, maybe fight it on a daily basis, some of us, and we've got a lot to say. It's kind of a big topic. Some of it is going to be a little controversial. So, Paul, why don't you start us off? Okay. So... Moses is dead. He will be missed. He had totally dismantled the most powerful nation of the world in one week. He also managed to wipe out the Egyptian army with one wave of his rod. He was the human instrument for signs and wonders of colossal proportion never seen before or since on the planet. He took a nation of two million on a hike for 40 years through barren land. During that time, their shoes and clothes did not wear out. They were served up breakfast from heaven every day. He made water flow from a rock two times. He spoke with God face to face on a regular basis. Doesn't sound too bad. No. Now Joshua is taken over. Okay, go for it, Josh. Hard act to follow? No. 40 years of hard acts to follow. Joshua is told to take the nation across the river and bring them into a hostile land that would be theirs if they can overcome the nationals who have other plans for them. God speaks to Joshua, at least hesitant about his job description, if not shaking in his sandals. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be Frightened, and listen to this, do not be discouraged. Sounds like a command to me. Mm -hmm. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9. Are you kidding? Don't be discouraged with what he'd been handed? That's an impossible command. Who could obey it? How could he not give in from time to time? Come to think of it, what command is is possible. How about pray without ceasing? Or you got any Nate? Rejoice in the Lord always. Have no anxiety yeah, about don't anything. Don't be anxious about anything. That's tough. Every command of God is an impossibility. If they were not, we could pull them off without the aid of the Holy Spirit. So it's supernatural from start to finish, which is encouraging because that means that God's going to supply us what we need to fulfill it. In other words, we can fulfill it right. with the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. And if we don't, it sounds like it could be sin to me. We'll get there. Yeah, okay. How would he handle the thousand issues sure to come up as a nation makes its way across the Jordan into the foreign land? Ongoing discouragement with daily insurmountable issues would be likely. God spoke to him at the outset to make sure he would not surrender to its subtle invitation mm -hmm. because God knows what discouragement does to us. So I want to say four things about discouragement from this word that Joshua received. Number one, we don't have to be discouraged. What God commands, God supplies to fulfill. Number two, we make a decision to choose discouragement. We're not required to give in, 
to a situation at hand that seems to actually suggest it, almost irresponsible to be discouraged. What makes some people cave in causes others to actually fly higher. Number three, to choose discouragement means that we are living situationally. We're living according to the circumstance. Mm -hmm. Rather than overcoming, we're being overcome. We're allowing the situations to determine the level of our peace and joy. Welcome to the roller coaster life. Number four, discouragement takes us out. We go from our primary calling and puts us rather than faith in God, we come on center stage. It's all about us, our problems, our roles, our needs. Think Elijah. Clearly on a roll after calling down fire from heaven and eliminating 450 false prophets and calling down rain following a two-year drought. Hey, Jezebel, you're talking to the wrong person. Sadly, her threat took him out of the main battle and into an inferior one, the battle for his life. So let's not go there. Ever. Amen. Yes. Ever. May we obey an impossible command through the indwelling Holy Spirit and see God use us right in the midst of hardship. Sound good? That sounds good. So your thesis is that discouragement is not a natural effect of a cause. In other words, discouragement isn't inevitable. It doesn't have to happen. It's That's not right. like you flip a switch and the light comes on. You got um, it. I think a lot of people would disagree with that. And so we should maybe talk about that at some point. I want to look at Joshua, though. Let's go back to the Joshua story, chapter 1 and verse 9. This is the verse you quoted. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? This is the third time I think he got the be strong and courageous. So, as you said, clearly God is really emphasizing this. If he had to tell them three times to do the same thing, he probably wasn't getting it. At the very least, God is trying to really, really emphasize that he mm -hmm. needs to be strong and courageous. Yep. And then he says, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed or discouraged. Now, do you think it's safe to say that because he said, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, that sort of implies that Joshua was frightened and dismayed? Absolutely. I think so, too. And so Joshua is in a position where he's frightened, he's dismayed. God obviously sees that, being, you know, God. Although, apparently the people saw it, too. I think everybody saw it, because at the end, the elders are like, hey, buddy, be strong and courageous. <laughs> <laughs> I got three times, four times in one chapter. All these elders that, that Moses had, had appointed, you know, Moses is now gone. They're like, okay, Joshua's the guy taking over. Yikes. He's quaking in his boots here a little bit. Uh, I, I like Josh and all. He's led us through some good battles. Um, he's been with Moses for a long time, very loyal. But there seems to be a bit of a self-confidence problem, maybe. Um, he, he's afraid. And like you said, who wouldn't be? You're following Moses. Yeah. That's yeah. daunting task. Very. And I mean, as pastors, we understand as leaders, you know, the idea of following someone big. You followed someone big in Trinity, San Pedro, California. You followed Larry Christensen. You were the pastor after he was at that congregation. That must have been daunting. It was. Did you ever feel a little frightened, dismayed? Did you need extra encouragement? Lots of it. And the same thing when I went to Lutheran Renewal when I came back here. I followed him both at Trinity and then back here as director of Lutheran Renewal. And that even more than Trinity was a daunting task that required supernatural strength. Why was that harder? Bigger. Bigger. More responsibilities, farther reaching. And Larry Christensen was 20 years more into his career. He was even better <laughs> 20 yeah. years later. So you were, you were 
following your previous boss again, who was that much more experienced, that much more loved. He had a lot of books. Best-selling books. Two million copies. Not a lot of Christian authors write million copy books, especially in the 70s and 80s. By the way, rest in peace, Larry Christensen. We will see you soon. Miss you, buddy. We lost him in December. So God is speaking to Joshua. I'm struck here by the kindness of God, I just have to say. And you'll hear me say this a lot if you listen to this podcast, but God didn't have to go out of his way to encourage Joshua. He could have just picked somebody else, right? I mean, he could have... He could have just said, all right, Josh, knock it off, quit it. You know, sent a big, bright, shiny angel to scare him into doing the right thing or something. Um, Sent him to a class on how to be a good leader or or something. Mm -hmm. But instead, he comes down and he personally really encourages him multiple times. He's very, very patient here with Joshua. It's not like be strong and courageous and he instantly is strong and courageous and can keep walking. No, he needed, this is God himself encouraging him. I, I would personally, if God was like, hey, be encouraged, I, I think I would be like, I am now super encouraged because God himself just yeah. said that to me. Yeah. So he, Joshua must have been really down to need God himself to say three times. And I wonder if the three times thing is significant. I mean, that makes me think of Jesus restoring Peter three times um, on, on the beach after he had denied Christ three times. He said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And do you think he got it by the end? Looks like he did. It does look like he did. Yeah. I think the people were worried. Yeah. And then Jesus came again to him, revealed himself to him. He said, who are you? Are you for us or for our our enemy? And he said, basically, neither. Neither. (laughs) Yeah, neither. Not the best answer. I am struck when I read this story to think of two people, one in the old and one in the new, who were great in many ways, but gave in to discouragement. And to see what it did to them, it puts real hesitation in my heart and a desire of discouragement. I, I went there once when I was director of Lutheran Renewal, uh, and I can't remember exactly what the cause was, but I found myself giving in to discouragement, and it was about two weeks long. And I found during that time that it was all about me, all about my problems, all about my woes. I remember calling my sisters and talking to them and sharing with them the struggles that I was going through. And it took me two weeks to come to the place where, hey, I don't like this. This isn't a good place to be in. This is not healthy. I'm, I'm not going to be making good decisions. And so I pushed discouragement out. And at that time, I made a commitment. I said, I don't want to do this again. I do not want to give in to discouragement. It's not inevitable. Nothing will face me that will cause me to say, this requires, or this this seems to suggest discouragement. And so I've been sharing that with pastors because I find a lot of pastors discouraged. And I use two examples to help them see that it's not a good place to go. The first is... Can I, before you, before you get there, I don't want to cut you off, but... Yeah. Um, Going back to Joshua, I really see him doing in this story what you just said in your own story. So he he had let himself get discouraged. Understandable. We get that. But as as you've been saying, that's a choice. He chose to allow himself to get discouraged. We can't really blame him in this case, but but he did he said, Okay, I'm gonna I'm I'm getting discouraged now. Now I would say that's an unconscious choice. I don't think he sat down and weighed the pros and cons of should I become discouraged and decided I'll go for it. Um, it's an unconscious reaction. Yes, um, usually it is. But there is a free will involved. Mm-hmm. We might not think of it as free will because we're so used to choosing that all the time. 
but there is free will involved. That's eventually, right. if, if you always turn to alcohol to solve stress, eventually when you are stressed out, you will automatically crave alcohol. That's just, that's how habits work. Mm-hmm. That's how they form in your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how I think we become discouraged oftentimes because we're so used to just giving into discouragement whenever it shows up. And yes. so Joshua, he, he gives in, but he, but he's a success story because he recovers through the encouragement of God himself and people. Yes. God and other people, which I think is significant. And you mentioned that too. You you were encouraged by God and other people to come out of it, to, mm-hmm. to get out of it, to knock it off, whatever you want to call that. Um, and I think that's important because you, you just mentioned, you know, a lot of pastors who are discouraged. I know a lot of people who are discouraged too. And I think oftentimes people hide it. They, they either because they sense they know they shouldn't have given in discouragement or they just they feel shame about it or they don't want people to know that they're weak or that they're vulnerable or that they could make a mistake and become discouraged or whatever. And so they hide it. I think a lot of people are hiding their discouragement. Sure. And Joshua here, whether he told, you know, the elders and the people that he was discouraged or they just saw it because it was super obvious, which is the joke I made earlier, but I don't know. It doesn't say it, but other people knew he had other people standing around him who were on his side, who were trying to encourage him and to help him get out of this and presumably help him stay out of it because for the rest of Joshua's career, it's, it's all very successful. I can't think of a time after this that he really succumbs. Maybe mm-hmm. there's one that I'm not thinking of, but I can't think of a time after this where he really succumbs to that. Yeah. And so I see that story sort of paralleling the testimony you gave of he had this bad experience. He decided this was not helpful. It wasn't good. It wasn't fun. Uh, let's not do this again. Let's stay encouraged. Yes. Well, you and I had an experience not too long ago. Yeah, yep. We had 10 years of great success with a young adult ministry in the cities called Communitas. And then it began going downhill. In terms of attendance. In terms of attendance. And it seemed like in other ways, the, the passion, the zeal. Uh, and I found myself most weeks being tempted with discouragement. And out of my experience with Lutheran Renewal, having said I would not yield to discouragement, I found myself physically, and I told you this before, I would reach out, I'd grab the handle, and I would lock the door. So you're turning the knob of an imaginary door. That's right. But you would physically do that, not just in your head. I would physically do it because I wanted to say, I am not giving in to discouragement. And we went down from over 100 down to 50, down to 40, down to 30, down under 20. It was sometimes difficult when people who had been there before came back and visited us again. And they're looking for the people and they're kind of saying, you know what they're saying? Where is everybody? Where are they going? What happened? Yeah. What's going on? And uh, so you start to wonder what did happen. Well, we decided that it was time to close it. And thank God, we celebrated what God gave us, and then we closed it down. And it was a good decision. It was a right decision. But I can say that I did lock the door to discouragement, and uh, I'm thankful that I didn't give in during that season. I'm sad to say that there are two people, one of the old and one of the new, that did give in. One is Elijah, possibly uh, one of the greatest or the greatest Old Testament prophet who uh, 
took out 450 prophets of Baal in one night. Not a bad night. He challenged them to uh, to start the fires, and uh, they got to go first, and they were crying out to their God to light the fires they had built. And uh, he mocked them during the process. What's wrong with your God? Is he sleeping? What is he? What's he doing? Is he taking a break? And uh, finally in the evening, he took his turn. He called down fire, and the fire not only lapped up the wood and the water, but it burnt the stones. Consumed the stones. Yeah. yeah. And, and then Elijah said, after them. And they took the prophets of Baal down to Kishon Valley and did away with them. Then it had been... They'd been without rain for two years, and he called uh, called on his servant and asked him if he saw a cloud, and he saw nothing seven times in a row. Finally, he saw a little cloud, and he He's said, get, get, for rain. get ready, yeah. get ready, it's coming. And so he, he was on a roll, but then when Jezebel put a contract on his life, something happened to him. Mm-hmm. And he turned south. He 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 went running, and it's hard to imagine Elijah being afraid of a wicked witch. Yeah, literally the wicked witch, and it's it's especially amazing because he is literally in in the afterglow of his greatest season of victory. I mean, he just at against all odds defeated all the prophets of Baal. Obviously, it was God who did the work. But Elijah was instrumental in it as the prophet of the Lord. Uh, the whole nation of Israel was against them. They were chanting for Baal. And then all of a sudden they're chanting for Elijah. They they rip out all the prophets of Baal. They, they sack them, uh, in this case, in the river with sharp stones, um, which we won't comment on that. But um, And then he runs after a chariot. How cool is that? He runs as fast as the king's chariot catches up to him. I mean, so he's experiencing really cool stuff. Things I consider cool, at least. Uh, supernatural stuff, obvious God coolness, victory, real victory, huge. And in the midst of that, he somehow gets knocked down. What What is going on to take him out? How could he give in to a threat of a woman? He'd already taken down 450 prophets, and he should have said, hey, nothing doing. Yeah. Well, I think I mean, he had had some run-ins with Jezebel before. He knew her rep was pretty bad so maybe and and she was she had legitimate power evil power yeah and so maybe he was just a little more scared of her than he would be somebody else um and and i could be reading into this but when i read this story elijah's all alone he doesn't have elijah with him he doesn't even have his servant with him Mm -hmm. why he's all by himself and he says that he says i'm the only one left and they're out to get me. Yeah. He got suicidal. He got crazy. Right. He wanted Something to was literally going, wanted to die. Yeah, he wanted to die. And I can't help but think that if if he wasn't by himself, Joshua came out of it mm-hmm. because God encouraged him and because there were people there to encourage him. Mm-hmm. God comes to encourage Elijah as well, but there's nobody else there. I wonder if he needed uh, the body. He needed the congregation. He needed people, friends around him to encourage him to say, hey, buddy, come on. Yeah. It's going to be okay. He doesn't have that, so he wallows. And for anybody who's ever been in 
depression or, or any you know real dark emotional place, you, you've experienced that spiral mm-hmm. that goes down that that mm-hmm. well that you just start sliding. And if you don't stop and catch yourself or there's nobody to help catch you on your way down that pit, uh, it can happen quickly and inexplicably. And uh, that's that's what I see. And maybe I'm reading too much into that, but but he's got nobody there. No. And like you said, that is one of his complaints. I by myself, but woe is me. And then God is like, well, actually, I have 7,000 people. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people mm-hmm. <laughs> who haven't bowed the knee mm-hmm. uh, to Baal. But um, but Elijah couldn't see that. He was He was so caught up in self which is i think where discouragement leads isn't it yeah. when we let ourselves get discouraged yes um it's about us it's about us like about us. we open the door to discouragement when we decide to have a little pity party and and, and and i'm not trying to make light of people who are discouraged i know that people are in real pain sometimes and in real difficult it's places very hard but when we allow it to be about us when we focus on ourselves woe is me this is unfair Life is so unfair. It's so difficult. Why do I have to do all these things? And we may be completely correct about all those. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not fair what's mm-hmm. happening. Maybe it's wrong what's happening. But giving in to discouragement doesn't help. It doesn't it help It twists the narrative. It twists the narrative from us being a part of something greater, being a part of a story God is is writing with us, yes. to now it's, it's, it's now some tragic tale that's going to be woe is me. Let me give another example. This is a New Testament example of somebody who is compared to Elijah. In fact, he came in the spirit of Elijah. It was John the Baptist who had a greater revelation of Jesus than any other prophet ever. In fact, even in the womb, when Elizabeth kicked at at the presence of Jesus in the womb of Mary, she said it wasn't just a kick, but it was a recognition of the presence of Jesus the Son of God there. Mm-hmm. So he started early. And then when Jesus walked on the scene, he pointed at him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He just summed up the Old Testament he got covenant. It. He, got he got it. He was right on. He was staging the greatest revival that had ever taken place in Israel. And God was using him but something happened that took him out, and I don't, I don't understand it. But when he said he must increase and I must decrease, then he started decreasing. He was which I think bar. was good, right? He, John was famous; everybody knew about John, and he saw that he needed to not be famous and let Jesus. He knew he had to back off, but when he did, something happened to him that discouraged him, and he got behind bars. He never saw daylight again. And he said something that is very strange for someone with that kind of revelation to say. He said, are you he who is to come, or shall we look for another? Really, John? You really are wondering if he is the one, if he is the Christ? He got hit hard. Mm -hmm. He was so discouraged that he could not see clearly. And... That's my word to pastors, to leaders, to people in the body of Christ. When you step out of overcoming evil or overcome with evil and and give in to discouragement, you won't see clearly. You won't see your way clearly. You won't see Christ clearly. And you'll say and do strange and maybe stupid things. And so our encouragement to you today, don't do it. Let God encourage you. Let the body of Christ 
let one another encourage you so you don't give in. It's not inevitable. You don't have to be discouraged. What God commands, God will supply, and you can stand free from discouragement. Amen. We'll keep talking about discouragement on the next podcast. So if you want to get in touch with us, if you've got questions, even prayer requests, fact-checking, you want to mention something, or if you'd like to suggest a topic that you'd really like us to talk about, um, you can contact us. Paul's website is Pastor Paul Anderson, that's S-O-N, dot com, and I am Pastor Nate Johnstone, and there's an E on the end of that, dot com. Mm-hmm.